And I, that, that came to my mind um, across different stories. So I'm terrible on titles. Let me just look it up. Uh, no worries. Uh, Lease Hound, mm. in which a geologist has that direct sense of time as represented by what's going on under, uh, uh, under the surface of, um, of a, a, a particular geological um, um, area. But other, other senses yeah. where characters got intimations of of the infinite, um, whether through love or through a sort of transcendental moment, or at least a yearning for, 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 the, for the eternal. With that, I suppose in some ways I'm asking whether you're a, a romantic with a kind of a big R, or, or something more like the American transcendentalists, I guess. You know, I think both of those, both of those camps, uh, I, would be, I would probably go by and have a, have a, a cup of coffee and, and a trout <laughs> with them. Uh, yeah, no, I... I uh, I would read some of their work and and, uh, and hope that my work would resonate with them. Uh, you know this this uh, again back to this contrast between the deep time of the world and the very short time of, of humans and humanity even and even of our own species. 180,000 years in the world. Um, I just love that that contrast. That uh, you know, great fiction proceeds by conflict and. There is, for me, the, the primal conflict to our, our, our species' uh, identity. It's like we are new to the party. We are new to the world. We don't know how to be in this old world. Uh, we, we're not adapted and fitted to it yet. We're still finding our way. We are an experimentation you know, out, far out on the branch, uh, off the main trunk of the tree of life. Uh, there has never been anything like us. Uh, we just got here. And, uh, of course, we feel confused and sometimes lonely. There's a reason for that. There's a biological reason for it. We, there hasn't been anything like us. The, the language you used already a couple of times, um, a sort of Garden of Eden and the, the Tree of Life. It, I was just curious about your, your upbringing. Was there any sort of religious sense? There's a moment in, in, in a lot of the stories of, of a kind of fall or a recognition of a kind of fallen state. I was just curious about whether there was any sort of reli religious fra framework for your imagination. Yeah, I think more so than, than I'm even consciously aware. Um, you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt in, in Texas and then lived and worked in, in Mississippi in the Deep South. Uh, and then I went to school in Utah, you know, a, a kind of a, an enclave of, of a, you know, a fundamentalist religion such as Mormonism. I mean, I've, I've seemed to always find myself in, in a in one stream or another of, of that uh, that religious uh, rhetoric and, and discourse that, that informs just cultural uh, cultural perceptions, really. Yeah. Were you, were you ever a, 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 a believer in a, in a, in a kind of most literal? I, I spent um, you know my childhood going to, to Sunday schools in in, in Houston and in, in Texas in the South, um, but I I pretty quickly. Uh, you know, came to believe in the woods and, and the uh, the church of the woods, uh, you know, so so to speak. Uh, but again, you the stories, you know, stories of uh, particularly uh, you know the, the religiosity of, of various Christian sects have have some beautiful stories in them, and those those have always appealed to me as a as a, a listener, you know, as, as a reader. Did it inform that 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 relationship you you began to form with? With the natural world, whether with animals or with, 
with landscape? Um, I don't. I don't think so. That's a great question. Um, no, and and uh, you know, not to get too far down in the weeds because I'm not by any means a religious scholar, but uh, just my layperson's perspective is that it was the other way around that uh, so many of the early Christian. Um, religions came from nature. No, they, they didn't go into nature and try and impose their view on on nature, but they, they were nature-based, you know, with pantheism and, and even Catholicism and, and so forth. And then and the, the shit kind of hit the fan and, and reversed. But uh, no, I did not carry the, uh, the religious rhetoric of my youthful experience into the woods. Uh, I just saw the woods for what they were, you know, a mysterious place that I had to make sense of and to do that, I had to do a lot of walking around and looking. I, mean, I, I suppose I was thinking about something like um, Wordsworth's uh, poem, The Prelude, where he details sort of his early experiences. Um, I think the phrase is like, he was fostered alike by, by beauty and by fear. W- were those the sorts of experiences that you, that you were having? To, is that what nature... Uh... Yeah, I've read... You know, in many of the romantics, this idea of nature, you know, taking care of the individual. Um, I don't recall ever, ever, ever feeling that. I, I recall feeling, you know, very peaceful at comfort uh, mm. when I'm in the woods, but I don't feel singled out or, or significant, uh, you know, quite the opposite. Just, uh, you know, I feel privileged to be witnessing this, this, uh, much more fluent and sophisticated sophistry, this, this, this functionality, this process, this, uh, you know, this, this flow current of, of the living. Uh, I just almost feel like a, a spectator who's gotten to step behind the veil and, you know, and, and, and witness it uh, um, and, and participate in it. But I don't feel, I think, I think that that centrality that would be implied in feeling that nature loves and takes care of the self, uh, you know, it's just that, a centrality that, that I don't, has not been my experience. Uh, uh, you know, I've known some holy shit, terror, fear experiences in nature, but, but far more commonly uh, just uh, relaxation, uh, where, yeah, they're not, demands are not being made of the individual. You are just uh, able to sit and, and watch and observe. I was curious about the slightly autobiographical hints in a, in, a, in a story like Goats, which seems partly about a young man, I think, growing up in suburban Houston, which sounds a little bit like your experience, but has this sort of secret of his love of, of cattle and of, of nature, which he fully, hmm. more fully expresses through his friend um, Moxley. Was nature a secret for you? Was your, cause I think, was your father also a geologist, is that right? Yes, yes, not, yes he is. How, how was it? For, was it something that was that you were introduced to, or was it, or was it a secret? Is in that that story that you, you discovered yourself? No, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I was fortunate growing up. Uh, you know, even though it was at the edge of the suburbs, there was some you know some rank or feral country that I could go play in by myself or with friends, which which I would do. But uh, my family would we would go on outings. You know, not not every day, not on any regular schedule, but. We did have access to some farther, wilder places that we would go, um, you know, go camp in for a couple of days or picnic in. And, and uh, uh, so there was always for me the realization that wherever I was, there was some place farther and further that would be uh, 
be less bounded. I think there's a lovely description, and I think in the very last um, story where you describe a watch, uh, and the watch becomes an idea. It's a watch, and it holds memories, but it becomes an idea. So was nature a bit like that? Did it there was did it start to form an idea for you of, of something that was that was glorious in and of itself? You would have, but that held the yeah. promise of something beyond your, your the, I guess, the everyday experience. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, the reason I'm hesitating is, uh, <laughs> you know, a, ch- a child's vision of nature is is different from an adult's, and and so, you know, I could I could be in my room in in Houston, Texas, and hear geese migrating, you know, to the Katy Prairie at night, and. Uh, at the same time that through the open window I could smell, uh, if the wind was from the east, the uh, the fumes from the Houston Ship Channel 50 miles away. And, and so, you know, it, I did not differentiate. Uh, uh, you know, a, a redbird, a cardinal, could be feeding at the feeder in the backyard while a lawnmower is going in the next yard over, and, and I didn't uh, differentiate or, or firewall um, nature and man. It was just... Uh, but I was aware that there were farther places where there were <laughs> more cardinals and less people. <laughs> was that something that, that, that you, the sort of place you would crave? But the, 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 some of the stories I found genuinely unsettling about the sense of going in, I think a story like Elks, where, where they go hunting deep and it takes them, and I, 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 I really worried for these characters getting out. Um, I think they worried. They, they worried for themselves too, yeah. <laughs> For me, I think it was more a gravitation. Um, I was, I'm, ne- I'm not aware of ever wanting to go to the extreme uh, borders or boundaries of, uh, of, of wildness, uh, as some, some young people are. You know, they, they want to test themselves uh, immediately and with maximum extremity. Um, I think for me it was more of a gravitation, just a, a slow, steady moving away from uh, crowds and, and urban uh, environments into looking for places where I was more comfortable and, you know, going from the urban to the suburban to the uh, domestic to the pastoral to the rural to, uh, you know, to the wild and then to the, the wilder and then to the wilderness and then gradually beyond as I became more fluent and more accustomed and, and comfortable with uh, with those farther further places. Were there writers that were, were writing the sort of, about those sorts of places, those sorts of feeling that you would that you were gravitating towards? Maybe when you started to get the inkling that you might might want to, to write, was it was is there a literary equivalent to, to the kinds of that kind of journey you've just described? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the a couple of the early books I read that really resonated with me uh, were Annie Dillard, uh, you know, out of the transcendental camp, and and uh, and Peter Matheson, uh, uh, the, the Snow Leopard. But I, they did not um, encourage me to, you know, to flee suburbia. Um, I just, it's just, just their their values and observations and, and, and skill as as writers with sentences is what appealed to me. Um, once I was in Utah in college, uh, you know, I did read uh, the work of, of the great Edward Abbey, you know, the, that the misanthropic, uh, you know, rebellious, uh, you know, Whitman-esque uh, 
you know, celebrant of, of, of wilderness. And I thought, wow, this is okay. This is, this is encouraging. Uh, I'll just, I'll, I want to go, I want to go see what he's seeing. I'll go a little further. I'll go a little farther and, uh, and did so enthusiastically. So, so that was, uh, that would be one of those kinds of books, Desert Solitaire, also by Abby. Are you, would you describe yourself as, as misanthropic? No, no, I wouldn't. I, um, I, I, I've thought about that occasionally until I stopped thinking about it. But what I always came back to whenever I did consider it was that I like people. I just don't like being around them. But, you know, I, if, if that makes sense. It does. So you kind of like I think Muslims don't like people. Okay. <laughs> yes, you like to know they're out there, but not necessarily in close, <laughs> close proximity. Keep, keep them at arm's length, yeah. Was there a particular moment where the, or a period of your life where, where you felt that desire to write as well? Was is the... Right, no, I kind of skimmed over that, that question, I think. Uh, there was not a, uh, growing up, I did not want to be a writer, did not consider such things. I was a reader, like, you know, like so many, but uh, it never even occurred to me to be a writer. Uh, uh, I wanted to be out in the woods doing something, you know, perhaps with wildlife, perhaps with forest, you know, a forester, a wildlife biologist, but I didn't consider becoming a writer. Uh, and uh, I was living in Mississippi working as a geologist, and there was a great independent bookstore there, uh, Lemuria, and they would, I'd go in on my lunch break, and they would say, read this, read this. They'd be handing me books and and that's really how I learned to write was through them telling me what to read, and and um, they were they would promote uh, the writers, the Southern writers, uh, you know, Eudora Welty, um, Flannery O'Connor, Faulkner, uh, James Baldwin, a, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, Barry Hanna, um, uh, great short story writer, um, and also the Russian writers. They really they really love those big fat Russian novels, and and. Uh, and they they uh, they liked writers by uh, an American publisher, Seymour Lawrence, who published uh, Jim Harrison, among others. And there was this book on their on their counter by Jim Harrison called Legends of the Fall. And they kept wanting me to get that book. They said, "Buy this, buy this." And I'd pick it up and look at it. And it had a beautiful uh, painting by the the uh, Montana artist Russell Chatham on the cover that was was quite attractive. And then I turned the book over and look at the back and there was a photograph of Jim Harrison There's this one-eyed fat man you know uh, clearly drunk lying down in the grass chewing on a, a long stem of grass and the little biography said um, Jim Harrison this is how long ago it was Jim Harrison comma 41 years old comma is an outdoorsman and a man of letters and that's all it said and and I thought you know I don't want to I don't want to read this uh, you know this is just going to be tales of blood and matted fur you know hunting and killing fishing and shooting and um, and also if he has to say he's a man of letters he's he's not and and um, uh, I just had a really bad attitude about it and finally they just gave me gave me the book and I read that first that not the first I read the last title novella and and that made it was the light that made me want to write I thought wow this would be really cool to create a world like this uh, like this one, where a hundred years passes in a hundred pages, and then this family saga of this, this, uh, this small band of people up in, in northern Montana. It was a very uh, profound reading experience for me. There's something about the concision of, of the form, but also the expanse of what you could, uh, the collision of form and, again, the, the, the eternal, the infinite, or, or certainly this yeah. large expanse of time. No, the, the, the portability 
compression of a hundred years into a hundred pages, uh, of which were filled with beautiful sentences. Uh, yeah, no, that it, it very much was a resonance that thought, oh, this is different. Okay, this is this is this matters. This is just enough expanse of time, a hundred years, to be meaty, to be worthy, to be of the beautiful sentences that he's used, and yet it also has a relationship with the larger, you know, more enduring world. Uh,